Well, hello, I'm Matt Williamson, still riding high after that big win last night. Folks, football season is here, and Live Casino is where FanDuel Sportsbook, America's number one sports betting app, comes to life. Step up and place your bets at our self-service kiosk or with a sportsbook representative. Then cheer on your team and catch every heart-pounding moment of action on our huge 40-foot video wall. Bet, watch, and win at Live Casino Pittsburgh, Route 30 at the Westmoreland Mall. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. This episode is brought to you by Live Casino. I am recording this about 1 p.m. on Monday. I've rewatched the game. I've scoured the internet for nuggets for us to talk about. And as usual on Tuesdays, it's just going to be further observations. But I'll be honest, I'm not super organized. I just have all these different bullet points and all mishmash of order. And we're just going to talk through them. And some might overlap, but so be it. Um, so I made a couple notes after I hung up with you guys. That sounds old. But um, last night, and just thinking about Pickett. And, you know, there's going to be... Don't take this. I'm not trying to lead this podcast off with negativity, but he was, he's very quick right now to move in the pocket unnecessarily. And I touched on that a little yesterday, but maybe that's just his style. You know, I mean, everybody has a unique style of playing the game. It's not enough big, big enough body of work. I mean, maybe three years from now, we're going to talk about, boy, he's not a stand there tall in the pocket guy. You know, maybe, I mean, it's, it's working. I think that's something he needs to work on. But the positive was massively, you know, stronger than the negative. And some other things I, know, I wanted just to mention was, even though he's moving a lot in the pocket, what I deem unnecessarily, did keep his eyes downfield. I mean, I was really rough on him after that Saints game because his he was dropping his helmet. He was feeling the rush. He wasn't looking at the routes. Well, he's gotten so much better at that. He is incredibly good at eluding free rushers. I mean, a guy screaming at him from the second level unblocked. It looks like he's dead to rights. He misses. He makes that guy miss time and time again. He's a much better and twitchier athlete, I think, than common folks want to give him credit for. I mean, is he going to run 4-3 flat and beat Lamar Jackson in a race? Of course not. But he's fast and he accelerates extremely well and he's twitchy he's light on his feet has some drew breeze to him but he's faster than him even too i mean in terms of just being bouncing around on his feet it's great on third downs again i mean again that's more of this clutch you know factor and you know throwing on the move whether it was left or right commend him for both and really protecting the football <laughs> i mean that's humongous. Is time and time again, this guy is not turning the ball over. I can't even remember a throw or a decision he made that I went, "Ooh, he got he got away with that one." You know, lucky. You know, he, he's just making good decisions with the football, which is very advanced for his age. Um, I wrote this last night after done talking to you guys too. It pains me to say, and I'm sure you guys. <laughs> have heard me in the past, but this was a very good Robert Spillane game. I think the opponent fits him better too. I mean, it's not Miami running crossing routes with Tyreek Hill in front or behind him. You know, it's a different style of defense and playing Carolina and Atlanta and Baltimore twice over this stretch is certainly more Spillane style, but 
We'll talk off-season stuff after the Steelers are eliminated. Maybe that's two months from now or whatever. I'm joking. But would it be so bad to go into camp next year with Spillane Robinson, who we'll get to, an expensive free agent? It doesn't have to be Roquan. How about Terrell Edmonds? I mean, I could give you five names. A, a true number one type inside linebacker that you spent money on. And then maybe another cheap free agent inside linebacker. Somebody that's still on the market two, three, four weeks after free agency opens and signs a one-year deal that's been around the block, that's a veteran, that's a solid player. Or, you know, throw a fourth-round pick in the mix, too. You know, like, I don't think that this problem is impossible to correct. Um, special teams, I have some notes from last night, too. It was problematic outside of Harvin. I'm not going to kill Boz for hitting the upright, but penalties on special teams was a trend. Problematic. Big return, kickoff return by Hill. And just overall losing the field position battle badly in this game. So not a great showing outside the punt team in terms of special teams. Uh, here was the next-gen stat of the game. Uh, Kenny Pickett was 6-for-9 for 67 yards and the game-winning touchdown when throwing on the run. Had a 55.4 passer rating and zero, tu- zero touchdowns on such passes from weeks 1-16. to 16. I never thought of him as being a bad passer on the run up until this game from weeks 1-16, to 16, but it doesn't shock me he has zero touchdowns before this moving on the run. And the fact that he has one in this game isn't all that alarming. And it was only 6-9, so... I'm stretching a little bit for the next-gen stat of the game from NFL.com. But um, their research team also came up with Pickett has three fourth-quarter comebacks this year, which is something we'll get to here in a minute, um, which is a most for a rookie quarterback since Gardner Minshew in 2019. Um, in case you didn't know this, but Ben Roethlisberger last year led the NFL with six fourth-quarter comebacks, giving which is 41 for his career, only behind Brady and Manning. Ben didn't do very much good last year, but when it mattered most and he had figured out the defense, he was pretty good in that regard. And this one, in this game, before the game-winning drive, Pickett was only 10 of 21 for 108 yards. I didn't think he was playing bad, but again, the stats weren't strong. But on the game-winning drive, he was 5 of 6 for 60 yards, including a 10-yard touchdown pass to Najee Harris. Um, over the last three seasons in which TJ Watt has played at least 60% of the snaps, Steelers record is 28 and seven. So if Watt basically plays the majority of the game, they're 28 and seven, one, 12 and one in the others. (laughs) Hard to ignore that. Um, Watching the game a second time, I had this inkling the first time around, but didn't want to say it because it sounds a little too Homer-ish. But boy, the refs were, let's just say, very lenient with holding calls, especially when Baltimore had the ball. <laughs> there were some plays to be made by the defensive front that were quick, you know, quickly grabbed and should have been flagged, I thought. But okay. Uh, here's another little nugget. Justin, After Justin Tucker kicked a 51-yard field goal to give the Ravens that 13-3 lead on the opening possession of the second half, the Ravens had two first downs after that drive. I mean, after their first drive, opening possession, 
two first downs after that. And both of them, and one of them came on their final possession, you know, picked up a first down, and then Minka sealed the deal with his sixth interception. So very little def- or offensive production. Uh, Baltimore had nine rushes for 32 yards in the second half. And 22 of those 32 came on one run by J.K. Dobbins. And that was during that Tucker field goal drive. So eight other rushes in the second half. Ravens gained 10 yards on the ground, except for that J.K. 22-yard scamper to open the, the half. The Ravens, who entered this game with the second fewest three and outs in the, in the NFL, went three and out three times on their eight possessions in this game including twice in the third quarter in the fourth quarter no first downs as we mentioned you know um, some rookie notes uh, I know some people tweeted out boy look at all the rookie snaps well I'll be honest I've been telling you that all along there wasn't much alarming with the rookie snaps and we'll get to them in a minute but Robinson did start this game he ended up with seven tackles Liao had three and we'll talk about their participation here in a little bit I forget where I read this. It might have been from Dale, but Kendrick Green, I guess, in practice this week, played the part of of Ricard as the big moving fullback. And say what you want about Kendrick Green. He's been really bad, (laughs) but he moves well. He runs extremely well. He really isn't all that much different than Ricard, who isn't going to carry the ball. or But, I mean, just a, a guard in the backfield is all Ricard is. And it dawned on me, I mean, it's too late for this, and who knows if Green will even make the team next year and why we spend all this time talking about Kendrick Green, but he's not even active on game day because he's not a good enough offensive lineman. That's the problem. But what if he played the part of Ricard in a real game? (laughs) You know, do some things where he's your movement guard. And what they do with Ricard, which is really cool, is they run so many versions of power where he acts as the pulling guard but instead of acting as a pulling guard in a three-point stance, get your big butt up and big body moving from a standstill position, they do it with him in motion. So he's gathering steam, gathering steam, ball snapped, as opposed to ball snap, get up, go, you know. So could Green do some of that? I mean, again, they probably only have one more game. You know, we're not going to implement something like that overnight, but it's just something that's kind of crossed my cranium. Um, the Ravens came into this game, allowed 65 or fewer yards in five of their last eight games. Well, Steelers blew past that very early in the game, early, early in the second quarter. Uh, the Steelers came into this game with, you know, really the plan was pretty obviously, pretty obvious is they wanted wide zone. They want to get that big defensive line moving left and right. And I guess they stressed with some of the um, the post-game comments and interviews that they really, really went out of their way to making sure Queen and Roquan were touched. I mean, even if that meant leaving your double team too early, at all costs, we can't let the linebackers run free. And they did a really, really good job of that, especially the guards, Daniels and Dotson, Got to the second level, showed mobility. Queen had a rough game. Roquan was good, but he didn't blow the game up. Um, Steelers came out running. I mean, their first 17 plays, they ran the ball on 11 of those. Uh, five of their five of their seven full drives lasted at least 11 plays. 
So I'll try to look into this in you know during the week as we prepare for the last game. But a week or two ago, it was the Steelers and Chiefs were at the top of the league in drives that lasted 10 or more plays. So five of their seven were 11 plays or more. It's not easy to do. And frankly, it's a little bit of a dangerous game to play because goes back to very little explosives, churning out early yards, converting third downs, can't take a holding play call or get behind the chains. But because Kenny's been so good on third downs too, usually it's third and manageable. It's working. So uh, that's their formula. It's really the only way they can play at the moment. You know, they're not going to throw bombs to Tyreek Hill. We know that. Or let alone scheme somebody up with play action. You can listen to my rant yesterday about that. Um, so I'll be back here in a minute. We've got some snap count stuff to talk about, some interesting things there, as more as well as some other nuggets and a little bit of stock up, stock down too. Steelers snapped the ball 70 times yesterday. The wide receiver usage, Johnson was out there 64 of 70. It's pretty much the norm. Nobody goes runs every route. You run a couple go routes in a row, pull up, you know, take a breather, go back in. Pickens was only out there 51, though. And I didn't see any reason why he shouldn't be at the Johnson level. I mean, I'm nitpicking here, but I would have liked to seen him out there for 60 of the 70 snaps because they didn't play a ton of three wide. Certainly didn't play any four wide, but we got Sims for 29 who had a good game. Gunner's out there again for 25 of 70 snaps. And I see what he does, the end of rounds, the blocking, but how often have we seen this guy ball snapped on a pass play, drop back. He runs a route, snaps it off, and they complete a pass. Like, do wide receiver stuff. He doesn't really do any wide receiver stuff. Um, Boykin was out there for 10 and was fine. I'm more of a Boykin fan than Gunner, but we're splitting hairs. Wouldn't break my heart if they upgrade over all those guys next year. Not all those guys, but move Sims to the fourth or fifth and maybe Austin to the fourth and, you know, that type of deal. Um, the tight end snaps is something I've been harping on lately. They're back to where they should be. There was a two or three game stretch there where Friar Moose foot is with the whole problem why he was not getting the most usage, but he was out there 54 snaps, 28 for Gentry, a dozen for Hayward. That's how they draw it up. Um, defensive snap total. They played 52 total snaps. Spillane, once again, Sutton, Highsmith, never missed a snap. Pretty impressive. Usually your edge guys are not 90-plus percent guys. But Highsmith didn't miss a snap. And Edmonds, Minka, who are always at the top of the team with snap counts, and Watt, another edge guy, were very, very close. Between the three of them, they missed like five snaps. So Highsmith and Watt were basically out there every snap against a heavy run team, secure on the edge. That's workman duty. Uh, Spillane, once again, is dominating snaps for the inside linebacker position. Will that change? Uh, well, I guess 
Probably not this week. I mean, again, it's a pretty heavy run team. I just wonder if they were playing the Chiefs or Bills or somebody like that. Would it still keep up? Probably, and we'll get to some of that here in a minute. Defensive line snaps. This is hard to do. If you listen to these shows on Tuesday when I go over snap counts, Cam always leads the group, of course. He's our best player. But he doesn't play 90% of the snaps. It's a tough gig. But they played so much 6-2 and so much bigger guys out there. Cam was out there 46 of 52 snaps. That's a very, very high percentage. Joby playing 42 snaps is a very high percentage. I thought this was interesting. Adams played 29 snaps compared to 8 by Alu-Alu. He's just a much better player at this point. I mean, Tyson's shot. And I'm not saying Adams is a star, but he's clearly the better nose tackle. I'm sure you're curious about Liao. He was out there for 29 or 27. Did pretty well. I mean, it looks like he's adjusting well. I think he has a bright future. He's going to be very much in the mix, in my opinion, next year and maybe going forward. You know, maybe a little bit, you know, we've already saw a lot of them. Uh, Loudermilk only out there for three. I get the hunch I like him more than they do. I mean, if in a game like this, you're only out there three snaps when you're asking a lot of defensive line snaps, period, is not a ring endorsement for Mr. Loudermilk. I mentioned a corner. Sutton never left the field. But because Baltimore doesn't use wide receivers and doesn't even put a second one on the field very much, of the 52 snaps, no other corner played more than 28, which is just so rare in today's NFL. Basically, like half the snaps, the Steelers had one corner on the field. I mean, that didn't even happen in like 1985. So Wallace played 28, Millette played 19. And I would imagine a lot of those Millette snaps were third and eight, you know, when Huntley was in the shotgun and they actually looked like they were going to throw the ball. So that's rare that you <laughs> you get that few of corner snaps over the course of the game. As mentioned at the inside linebacker position, I thought there'd be more combined inside linebacker snaps than there were, but Spillane was out there for the whole game. Robinson played exactly half. He was at 26. Six for Jack, five for Bush. Nothing I know of injury-wise, Bush, but Jack is fighting something. I think Bush is just in the doghouse and seen enough. Go on your way, finish out your stint here and be gone. I don't know, I think you can bring Jack back as well, to be very honest with you. Um, Ravens had some interesting offensive snap count stuff too. Again, they played 52 snaps on offense. Again, this is such weird wide receiver usage. Robinson, Jackson, and Watkins played between 18 and 31 snaps. Robinson led the wide receivers playing 31 of 52 snaps. That's the same. Their number one receiver played the exact same number of snaps as their 300-pound fullback, Ricard, who played 31 snaps. This team just plays things very strangely. And I think, you know, even with Lamar, Harbaugh might need to take a step back and say, can I win playing this way without wide receivers? Wide receivers are important in the NFL in 2023 and beyond. I mean, I find this very odd. Because it is. It's way different than the rest of the league. Um, Here's a better example of that. So before this game, the Ravens had had only run 124 snaps out of 11 personnel. That's one back, that's one tight end, three receivers. 
The league average, most the team, the league average is 622. That's the most predominant personnel grouping in the league. And there's a lot of teams, even you know Atlanta, that don't use a lot of it. But the average team in the league had run 622 snaps out of three wide. The Ravens have won 124. So what are they doing? Well, they're living in 22 personnel. You know, two two backs, Cunning Ricard is a back, and two tight ends. They've played 317 plays out of 22 personnel. The league average is 34. It's just so different than the rest of the league. Um, they In this game, they only ran three plays out of 11 with three ride receivers on the field at once. Three plays versus 27 out of 22. It's just unusual. Um, Robinson, Demarcus Robinson, was the only receiver on the field to be on the, be on the field for over half of the team's offensive snaps. He caught one pass for nine yards. <laughs> In all, 12 of the Ravens' 14 completions went to tight ends. <laughs> it's just weird. Uh, and maybe not coincidentally, the Ravens haven't scored more than 17 points in five weeks running. And even before Lamar got hurt, the offense was struggling and the receivers were horrible. Um, here's a couple other just random nuggets I have from around the, uh, the internet. Najee got all eight snaps in the two minute drill situation. Hurry up the last drive in particular, but on third downs, Warren outsnapped Harris eight to one. And I'm betting Harris's one came in the two minute drill because these things can overlap. You can get the third down when you're in the two minute drill. But Najee was a two minute drill guy. Warren was clearly the third down guy, which he's been. Um, I looked at Pro Football Focus. That's where I get my snap count stuff. They, I think they're the best for that. And I don't pay a ton of attention to their grades, but I look who's at the top. Pickett had a ridiculous grade from them. It was like 94 out of 100. And we get this packet from the NFL. Here's all the players in the whole league that got a PFF grade of 90 or above. And it's usually like 12 or 15 guys. And most of them are 90, 91. Pickett might be number one on the list. I have no idea what the rest of the league did this week, you know, in terms of PFF grades. Nor am I going to pay much attention. But he got a massive PFF grade this week. And by their standards, he had three big-time throws and maybe as importantly, didn't record a turnover-worthy play. I like their turnover-worthy stats quite a bit. You know, like some people get lucky, ball comes out of their hands, doesn't get picked off, but it was still turnover-worthy. He had zero of those. Um, This is kind of crazy too. Pickett also became the first rookie in NFL history to throw a game-winning touchdown pass in the final minute of the fourth quarter in back-to-back games. First time it's ever happened in the history of the league. Um, Defensively, we kind of talked about this a little bit. Once again, the Ravens really did not use a third corner, even though the Steelers actually used wide receivers and had three receivers on the field a lot. The only time a corner besides Stevens and Humphreys came in the game was due to injury. Um, they just used Hamilton, their big safety, as the extra corner, which somewhat of a luxury, but I, that would worry me. Like, if you're playing the Bengals, are you going to guard wide receivers with safeties all day long? It's strange. But Peters was hurt. Um, uh, TJ Watt got home for one sack, two hits, 
two hurries across 22 pass rush snaps. Pretty good. Two hits, two hurries, one sack on 22 pass rush snaps. He also added three tackles for loss or no gain against the run. Was really, really good in this game. I mean, his run defense was better than I thought looking back at it. Uh, the Steelers' offensive line did a good job of, pick, of keeping Pickett's jersey clean. They didn't allow a single sack or hit, giving up six pressures across 29 passing plays. That's on their first review, Pro Football Focus. Didn't No sacks, no hits. And some of that's also going back to the start of the pod. Kenny getting out of the way really, really well. Um, I just have a couple stock ups. Mentioned Dotson getting the second level, but he was also really good in protection. His best games are really impressive, and this was one of them. Watts' run defense was better than I thought. I got to admit when I'm not when I'm wrong, but I got to admit that you know Spillane played really well, and Mark Andrews was a stud in this game. I told, I told you guys about that last night, um, but he's back to looking great. It also dealt with some single coverage and things like that, and. But Andrews was a really, really good player. That'd be one of the positive I took around, took out of this. If I were a Ravens fan, down, Chooks had a rough game. Chooks had a really rough game. I'm not super worried about him, but he was the weak link for sure of the line. Um, not to bring negativity here, but I'm still not getting it with Gentry. I, I, I watch him run block, and it's okay. But he offers nothing as a receiver. I just don't think what he brings as a run blocker is dominant in any way. I think it's very, very average that that doesn't outweigh what he doesn't bring in the passing game. So Gentry, to me, is really dropped off. I thought he was a nice story, coming along well, useful, physical. Now I look at him and think he is just a guy. Uh, Bush is obviously in the doghouse and maybe to never return. And then a couple of the Ravens players that are brand name dudes had some tough, had a tough outing. Patrick Queen was brutal in this game. Um, couldn't get off blocks. Wasn't great in coverage. Really didn't do anything well. Linderbaum, their first round center, was awesome against the Steelers in the first matchup. Really had a tough one in this one. And then both their tackles, Stanley, who I don't know if he'll ever be the same, but has been playing a lot lately finally with the ankle. And Moses, who I think got benched for Macari halfway through. they I know he was in now the game. They didn't say if it was injury or benching. It would have been nice to know. But both those tackles didn't play particularly well, uh, particularly in the run game. So that is what I got for you today. Um, nice steal to win. Still in it. And we will reconvene tomorrow. If you want to uh, send me some ideas for tomorrow's pod, that Wednesday one's always a little up in the air. I got to get creative. I am at Williamson NFL. And check out my other podcasts, too, uh, Peacock and Williamson. So download that while you're at it. Over and out. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.